This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's a stumble, a slip, a wobble, a hobble. Does it leave automatic promotion improbable? Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. I'm feeling a bit dejected, Craig. Saturday did not go to plan, did it? Give me your quick feelings before we get into... um, Get into the um, nitty gritty of Cambridge one, Ipswich one, whilst other results maybe slightly went against us. Everybody say hello in the comments if you're watching live on YouTube. Great. Yes, equally dejected, I'm afraid. Um, I was on training all week. Yeah, I, I had like nine to five training, Monday to Friday. I had an exam on Wednesday. I had two and a half hour exam Friday afternoon, last thing. And I was like, just looking at the horizon at Cambridge, thinking, oh, at least I've got something to look forward to at the end of the week. But yeah, we just gained a point on Plymouth. So yeah, that was all good. <laughs> uh, Joe, um, ha- ha- how's your general general mood? Look, there's Nat, the Sheffield Wednesday fans come to glow. Probably not as good as him. Nat at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, sort of, it was frustrating, wasn't it? It's, uh, and it's sort of been the... Since really, since that Charlton game, isn't it? It's sort of the games have followed a similar pattern and we haven't we haven't got the points we should have got over the last few months, but I think Saturday was a game where for once it was the performance as well as the result, which was sort of, we got what we deserved really in the end. It Well, if, if that sort of thing, we, um, first half we didn't show up, second half we were better, but didn't really do enough after we got the goal. There were sort of moments like we saw Walton's penalty save and you thought, oh, is that going to be the catalyst to change things? And then we then nearly conceded from the resulting corner and then we scored a goal and Edwards is getting out there and you think, oh, it's, and then all of a sudden, once we score the goal, they sort of get the ball run back to halfway line, but it doesn't really fire us into life anymore, does it? I don't know. It's been, yeah, quite frustrating. Let's get straight into it. So, obviously, we set this up for a while, Craig, um, in a kind of optimistic tone, really, because the Morecambe game was blowing the cobwebs away. The Burnley game, we tried to play down as a kind of sort of pre-season friendly in the middle of the season type um, situation. We had the top two going at each other, and um, I think I remember. Um, I forget who I was on the pod with. Even uh, might might have been you, Craig. It was a case of doesn't matter what anybody else does if you don't go and win your your, your own games, and you know that's the situation um, that we wanted to be in, m- making the chase. And um, yeah, you, so this is, I guess, the reason the optimism was waned a little bit yeah yeah we as you said in your intro ben we've stumbled haven't we unfortunately we haven't completely fallen off the horse having driven past Newmarket on uh saturday afternoon um but yeah it's uh it's a stumble and we need to very much get back on it because as you say everybody around us has got a sudden injection well not a sudden injection no weeks and weeks of injection behind them and they are hot on our heels Mm. Right, let's get into this. Um, keep your comments coming, guys. We'll put as many of them up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube as we can. When we get to the questions section, um, you got any questions, hold fire for then. So, 
Off we go to Mark Bonner and Cambridge, who have been the worst team in the division from, I think, September the 13th or something. We Nobody's scored fewer points, uh, worse points per game, et cetera, et cetera. Although, obviously, we just had a bit of a... Um, a bit of an influx there in terms of the transfer window. And there is an argument that five players into a team that's not winning can, you know, can do more than three players into a team third up the table. You can argue that whichever way um, you like. Uh, Joe, the team, and we'll get your thoughts on this, Walton in goal, Clark, Keogh, Edmondson, Davison Burns, Evans Morsey, Broadhead, Chaplin, Ladapo, your thoughts, and I guess you're going to be looking at the centre-back positions. Well, yeah, it, it felt as though we'd obviously beaten Morecambe and we'd beaten Morecambe well in the last game. And it, it struck me as, oh, we, we're just going to keep the same team because we played well against a side that, like Morecambe, I know they've got a really good record of late in winning the games against teams at the bottom of the league. But when they've played teams against the top of the league, they just fall to pieces and they didn't really give us a game at Portman Road. They almost just chucked that one in to save themselves for a, a more winnable game that came up at the weekend and they picked up the three points from that one. So it felt as though, like I said, the team news broke earlier earlier in the day and I just thought, I, I, this is not right. I, I just don't think Keo's quite at it. Um, with regards to a game where we need to push on, have have more of the ball, sit higher up the pitch, try and win the ball back and against a team that's going to try and frustrate us away from home. And I don't know, I thought, I think we all expected probably early in the week to be the return of sort of Luke Wolfman and George Edmondson as a pairing at the back, and it wasn't that. And I, I personally, I think that's a mistake. Uh, Craig, um, can I counter what Joe said by, um, I think this would sound a little bit snotty, I, I don't really mind who the centre-backs are. We should have enough to um, go to the team with the worst uh, record in the division since mid-September and 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 do, and do something. I'm playing devil's advocate to what Joe said, but what's your take? Yeah, yeah, there is an element of that. Um, but as Joe said, there's an element of needing that ball-playing centre-back or the, at least a centre-back who can bring out a defence and just give you more players further up the pitch. Um you know, are we just being too clever for our own good? There's a little devil on my shoulder who's saying, do we have too many choices, too much analysis, clouding of judgment? You know, who's tailoring their centre-halves to play Cambridge? You know, why, why, are we, why are we not just playing our best 11, or well, the majority of our best 11, and just trusting them to, to get a job done? You know, are we just overcomplicating things unnecessarily? I don't know. That's come up a fair bit, Joe, that as an argument, hasn't it, that the Sheffield Wednesday are very solid and don't concede any goals. Rotherham run forward. Sorry, not Rotherham. <laughs> so I've got Paul Ward stuck in my... <laughs> Derby um, play forward, run forward, um, simplistic, you know, winning sort of football. Where, where do you stand on this? I've made the same argument Craig's just made, to be fair, and this overcomplicating argument. Yeah, well, I, I don't think throughout the rest of the team we overcomplicate it too much. We sort of generally just tend to tweak the forward players more. That's that's what it always used to be, wasn't it? We just tweak the forward players and rest them around. Sometimes some games they'd get the first hour, next game they might get the last half hour, and, and you sort of work it that way. But it's, it seems just like defensively, I'd say we had that Charlton game where we, well, obviously what happened there when you had Wolfen and Edmondson as a back two, sorry, as a centre-back pairing. We haven't seen them as a centre-back pairing since. It's sort of been Wolfen and a Burgess, which hasn't really been working clean sheet-wise. Well, nothing's really been working clean sheet-wise since that point. And it's just, a, it's just a little bit of a, I don't know, best teams don't change their centre-backs very often. I, and I can understand when you're playing a team, like we say, with no disrespect to someone like Morecambe when you're at home to Morecambe and you want to get a game in the legs of Keogh and or Burgess or Edmondson just to keep them going throughout the rest of the season but I don't know you don't you don't need to be making that many changes and through the spine of the team we don't really make that many changes it's just we've just started to at that centre-back position and it's maybe having four senior guys there has given him one too many options. Let's have a look at the Cambridge team. So Mitov had returned a couple of games ago. Um, he, like a lot of the Cambridge team, um, had a very good season last time out. Um, they have added some experience there. You can see Bennett and Morrison sort of returning to Cambridge. I think that was where he started before. Well, what being what I consider a perfectly serviceable championship centre-back. Jones, uh, Bennett, Profi, 
McGrandles is a new one in Digby. Um, you can still find him. Tickers. Nibs, who uh, we're going to hear more from in a minute, who was linked with um, our good friends Plymouth um, not so long ago before the transfer window opened. Smith and Ironside up top. Um, your thoughts, Craig? Um, yeah, this not not anything to be particularly concerned about. I don't think. Um, obviously, they had a few experienced new recruits drop in in January. But again, you know, we're we shouldn't be going to Cambridge and concerning ourselves. You know, again, no disrespect. You know, etc. etc. But we shouldn't be, should we? You know, we should be going there, looking to impose ourselves and looking to win the game, get back down the A14, three points in your pocket. Um, I don't know. You know, Ironside. Yeah, he's a perfectly serviceable League One um, striker. Um, he always plays well against us, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did did again uh, yesterday, didn't yeah. he, Joe? He was, yeah, I thought know, he was really impressive again. Won a, won a lot of headers. He was very mobile, um, which you know may have just shown up against being up against Ko potentially. But uh, yeah, I mean, McGrandles does what McGrandles does. Um, you know, they've, yeah, I, I, it just happened to be that they all seem to um, click. Get better after January settling in against uh, against ourselves. I put because they were they were all right when the first half they were snapping to every single tackle. Um, didn't give us a moment's peace when we did manage to venture into um, into their half. Um, I thought their two wing backs were a little bit ropey. To be fair, I think both Burns and when Edwards come on had their uh, their wing backs on toast a little bit, didn't they? Um, so Kieran McKenna Joe has come out and particularly panned the the first half. What was what was your take on uh, you know assuming that you agree with him? What was your take on why it was so bad and um, take us up to that opening goal maybe? Well, we were just sluggish really from the start. There was no zip. To, I don't. I say I was watching in the stadium, so it's not like I could I could see anything that was maybe more obvious from a different angle there. They didn't seem but they didn't seem anything obvious as to why we were just that bit slower. The pitch didn't look bad. It didn't it wasn't bobbly or anything like that. But we just seemed to every time, especially sort of in the midfield, Evans, Evans especially and Morsey as well, they just rather than play that first time ball, it was always just take the extra touch, take the extra second. And and then when they did pass it to the sort of likes of Davis or Clark or Burns, it always seemed to be that sort of yard behind them rather than yard in front of them. And that just sort of went from there. And, there, and But there were also a few times where we got into sort of half-decent positions in the box and we ended up working the ball around so off, so much that we ended up with the ball back in the halfway line without Cambridge having really done anything from when somebody could have just been opening their body up and having a shot there. And it, it just seemed like we tried to tried to overplay at times and then in the midfield as, as happened for the goal and for the penalty there sort of Lee Evans maybe not really strong enough in there just Paul Digby just sort of powered through him and I don't know he's just when when the, when the ball gets around him he sometimes lacks that mobility in there and I thought that was really obvious for there in in what was quite a mobile midfield free that Cambridge had on there that were sort of really sharp in there that we we didn't really get into the pace of the game from that side of it other than all the sort of all, all the ball we had What's your take, Craig? And um, if you want to deal with what was frankly an excellent opening goal by Nibs, yeah. Well, as Jay said, we were just really pedestrian, really passive. And if you know people who are watching and listening, we will know that when we're at our worst, that's what it was like. You know, it was just so slow. Everyone was just taking extra touches. But Morsey was playing really, really deep um, yesterday. You know, he's playing first. I was playing on the toes of the centre halves. When, da- when Davis does venture down the left, he often drops into the left back just to cover that. But he just seemed to be doing that even when Davis wasn't really um, bombing forward. We would just seem to be have no real impetus or urgency to our game. And um, McKenna said afterwards he didn't know where that came from. He wanted us to start aggressively, getting getting Cambridge's face. But there was none of that. Um, as you say, Joe, the, the, the goal sort of just came out. Nothing. It was a throw in on the right. It ended up at... Um, Paul Digby's feet and he just brushed past Morsey and then eased his way past Evans without too much um too much uh, of a of a threat from from him. The ball fell to Nibs, who then got had a back tracking Keo um in front of him, and Keo seemed to sort of lose his bearings and not cover the goal that uh, Nibs was about to shoot at, and he sort of cut across it with his right foot. And yet again, you know, we find ourselves on the back of a a shot from distance which nestles itself very nicely into the far corner. As we were saying before, the 
before the show started, you say you started it just outside that far post and it just fades, fades back into that, to that bottom corner. You know, we're finding yeah. out how good league one players are at shooting from distance, but we're not particularly finding out how good our players are shooting from distance. <laughs> Cause you know, as Joe says, we, we have perfect opportunity to do it, but no one just seems to have the, I don't know, the confidence to do it or, or are they just told simply, you know, the likelihood of you scoring is so low, let's work it into a better position to get ourselves a, a, a better chance of scoring. But, you know, you watch the League One highlights, people are shooting from distance and scoring, people are fumbling, goalkeepers are fumbling the shots and you're getting tap-ins. Um, but as I say, it just doesn't seem to to be the way we do stuff. Um, Andy Warren made a good point, actually. I watched their, him and Stu's post-match video and he, and he his, the way he phrased it was good. You know, the goal was against the run of possession, not necessarily against the run of play. And I thought that was a, a very good way of, of putting it. You know, we had all the possession, but we didn't really, we weren't on top in, in the game at that point. And it's and it then actually sparked Cambridge into into more of a uh, an attacking threat. And for the next 10 minutes or so, we were we were holding on. Joe? Yeah, no, agreed. Like I said, with, with the shot, I was, um, I was right in line with that. And as soon as it left his boot, you could see where that was ending up. And it just sort of flies across the surface and just cuts back in and probably ends up sort of that far inside the post. And no saving that. And a, f- a few minutes later, it's another nothing ball up there, which Ironside just sort of managed to sort of bundle his way past Evans again in the midfield there. And the ball drops to sort of McGrandles who runs onto it and just sort of just squares up Edmondson and drops a shoulder inside and Edmondson just dangles a leg out there, which I think he could have avoided if he wanted to, but he obviously didn't want to or need to. And, and it's a penalty, but it's another very, very avoidable piece of defending where Joe, it's just, it's just them wanting it more in midfield really, wasn't it there? What is the issue with, and so there's the handling goal against uh, Wickham. Um, what was the other? There was another dribbly the, goal. Um, Oxford goal, wasn't it? Yes, the wheelchair Ox- goal. Yeah, and this penny. What is the issue here with players dribbling the ball into our box? Well, I think sometimes the midfield sort of push up a bit high, and then once you get the other side of the midfield, there isn't a there isn't really someone screening, is there? Because Sam Morsey it tends to sort of, I know he was a bit deep yesterday, but when we don't have the ball, he tends to sort of push up a little bit more. And Lee Evans or Cameron Humphreys previously had been the sort of deeper lying of the midfielders and they're sort of maybe just not getting themselves in the best positions and don't have the mobility or pace or strength to just take a cynical foul, just chop them down when they when they get past them there. Like I say, I watched Man City v Tottenham today. The amount of times, as soon as Man City lose the ball, they just, they just foul. They just foul someone every time because they don't want to they don't want to give the ball away in transition because it's dangerous. But we, we don't seem to to do that. We 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 we, t- we give away enough fouls during the rest of the game when there's just nothing needing to doing. We put a silly little late challenge in, which is going nowhere. But when you actually need to just drag someone down, we we don't do it. And that's what that's what all the the top teams do. They just foul, and we, and we don't. Evans was doing that at the beginning of the season. To be fair, before his injury, he was mopping everything up. I don't think he just had that little bit extra agility, um, pace, whatever you want to call it. But I think in the first three or four months of the season, where it was until he got injured, I thought he was fantastic at that, that mopping up, that little tug back, that screening, you know. But whether he's just lost that since the injury, um, I don't know. But Joe's exactly right about those in those fouls. When we were chasing the game, the last 10 minutes, including injury time, trying to win the game, the amount of naive fouls we gave away was just ridiculous. Ridiculous, and you know the ref's going to give him, and Cambridge is certainly going to go down for him. But wh- why are you doing it then? It was mm. frustrating. <laughs> and um, just let's just focus in on that penalty, um, Craig. So seven minutes I've just checked between the goal and the penalty, and I think it was Joe said catalyst, turning point, whatever. Use whatever word you're um, you're comfortable with. Um, how would things have played out differently if that penalty had been scored? Gee whiz, there were there were some boos at half time anyway. But good lord, there'd have been seats being thrown on the pitch. I think if it had gone in, it just we just didn't not, did not turn up for that first half. I don't know why. And even you know, even as just at the very beginning, even that penalty save didn't really give us a kick up the backside either um, to give us any sort of momentum because. Um, you know, Cambridge was basically on top for that for that last period of the of the first half. Um, you know, Morsey tried to get the team going, but it just 
it just didn't happen for for whatever reason. Um, it's but even it's like the roles were reversed, wasn't it, between Morsey and Evans, where when normally you get Lee Evans landing on the ball in that corner of the box to whip across in, that seemed to be Sam Morsey landing on that position. And Evans has got a fantastic delivery on him, but Morsey sort of just tried to clip it in there. And it just seemed, I don't know, it seemed just very, very confused in that middle there to me yesterday. Mm. Yeah. Um, half-time Joe, triple substitution? It wasn't triple, wasn't a double, was it? Yep. Uh, Davis, Clark and Evans. But Evans was nearly going off before half-time. So Evans had a knock and Marcus Harness was stripped, ready to come on for him before half-time. So it was going to be a positive change at that point because you had Cameron Humphreys on the bench. But no, Harness was stripped, coming on for Evans before the half-time breaks. That was going to happen. And then, yeah, so the half-time comes and Evans is replaced by Harness. Genoid Denashian on for Harry Clark and Kyle Edwards on for Leif Davis. And uh, Joe, are we uh, are we into kind of well, shake it up, baby territory rather than we're going to change anything tactically? Let's put a dribbly player on and a and a good finisher and um, execute plan A better, right? No, it, it did change the shape, didn't it? Because it meant it ended up with Morsey placing just screening the, the mm. defence on his own. Edwards was playing very, very high on the left. It was sort of almost like a left winger rather than a left wing back. He was getting back, sort of making a token effort to get back when he needed to. Broadhead had sort of drifted very far inside and was almost playing as a second striker rather than a 10. And then sort of Chaplin and Harness were just nominally sort of central midfielders, but without really dropping back into it. So it was a, it was hard to sort of work out exactly what the formation was, but it was... I'd have, I'd have put it down as sort of like a 3-1-4-2 or something like that. Yeah, we weren't playing anybody defensively on the left where we at all. There was just a, a big gap there and hoping that Edmondson can get across to to cover it, really. Um, but I thought Danassian and Burns pretty much clicked straight away, didn't they? They, they, they Certainly for the first quarter of an hour, 20 minutes of that um, Well, that's been half. a good partnership before, Craig, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But then Clark didn't really do anything particularly poor, I didn't think, in the first half, to be, to be honest. Um, what he did provide was a... A long throw out of nowhere and a proper Rory Delap flat long throw out of nowhere. He was his time at Stoke obviously um rub, rubbed off on him and it honestly came out of nowhere, didn't it, Johnny? It's a hell and of a he really, really slung it in at pace as well. That was when the highlight. David of the first Johnson half. first took a long throw and everyone went, Huh? Where did that come yeah. from? So yeah. No, it was good. Yeah. That was that was the highlight of the first half, I think, Joe, wasn't it? The, the one well, he had two. One was a bit floaty, but the first one he absolutely slung in like an exocet. Um, no, how was, and how did the changes affect um, going into that uh, second half leading up to the equaliser in Croke? Well, we came out of half-time really, really looking sharp, didn't we, I thought, for the first 10 minutes. Kyle Edwards, like Danashian got down to the byline a couple of times, mm. him and Burns playing each other, and then some pullbacks. Edwards got on the ball and just went up, went after Bennett, and Bennett just could not touch him And there. But no, so it, it looked really sharp for that first 10 minutes of the second half. And uh, to the equalising goal, Craig? Um, yeah, well, I think but, um, Morsey had the ball in the centre, and he tried it a few times just to sort of clip a ball out wide to Edwards. And as you, as Joe says, Edwards had had Bennett every single time. Um, but it was strange we didn't really get the ball out to him um, more than he more than we did. And he, with a bit of skill, nice bit of skill, tricks his way past and keeps going. And he's strong, holds off the challenge, gets to the byline, um, pulls it back to the dapper who has a really nice, opens himself up and sort of just deflects the ball in, doesn't he? Rather than, um, you know, put any power towards it, he just uses the pace of the ball and opens his foot up and deflects it into the far corner. Um, and was that for nine, ten minutes into the second half? You yeah, thought, again, yeah. if, it, if it wasn't the penalty that got us going, then it'll be the uh, the goal that gets us going. Um, and it sort of did for a little bit, didn't it, Joe? There was a... We sort of had a couple of chances, Burns down that right-hand channel, Broadhead down that right-hand channel, when they may have um, potentially done better than they did with their shots. Um, but we're always open to a, a bit of a counter-attack, certainly with poor old Keo um, running in treacle through the centre of the pitch um, when Sam Smith was running after. And that's a good brave um, save from Walton, actually looking at back on the um, on the replay uh, at the feet of... Yeah, that that was one though when you saw it, and obviously you're at the away end, which is so you're looking sort of down the pitch at it, and you couldn't really tell, but it looked like he'd overcome like a five yard head start and got there about five yards ahead of Keo on the other side there, and it's like that's when you that's this what I was sort of saying about 
Wolford and Edmondson there. When you, if you want to play that game where you're going to push up, have a lot of possession, you, you need your centre backs to be quick and read the game well and work around from there. And, and yeah, they, you might lose a bit of the physicality that you want to have in that sort of game. But when we were when we were behind and you wanted to push that line up high, you just you need pace in that line, don't you? If you're playing it so high. So Joe, I'm not at the game. I'm seeing the big hit points, and I see missed penalty, triple substitution. Equalising goal, my brain is going. Ipswich have now got the momentum to win the game. What? What? what why was I wrong? Well, we just we just didn't really create enough from there. Like Craig said, sort of both Broadhead and Burns got in really close to the goal, but one Broadhead put it wide one side of the post, Burns put it wide the other side of the post, and then. But we've sort of had a lot of play without really having a lot of chances just not even half shots not it wasn't like one of those games you know like against Lincoln at home where you're just having chance after chance they're getting block after block in there just wasn't a huge amount there and then George Hurst comes on and so one of the first things he does is sort of peel off and Keogh pings a lovely ball over the top to him which he takes takes in his stride as a good first touch and sort of doesn't make the cleanest collect collection, but fires it across goal or or it floats across goal and Broadhead gets there. And you think for all the world, he's just going to bundle it home. And it doesn't really, it seems like the defender gets in front of him. Craig, does it? I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. But it seems like the defender managed to find a way in front of him and it ends up, ends up in the keeper's hand. Brave bit of goalkeeping, brave bit of defending and there. But once that one didn't go in, we didn't really have much of a chance after that. That felt like that was the one really, didn't it there? That, that was pretty much it, wasn't it? That was the, really the last chance that we had. And when... When Hurst came on, we had Ladapo didn't go off. Um, Chaplin, was it, potentially went off for him? So we had Ladapo and Hurst on the pitch at the same time. And whatever threat Ladapo had had before that just completely dissipated, didn't it? He he barely featured um, once Hurst came on um, up front. He dropped a little bit deeper. We weren't playing two up. We were playing Hurst up front and Ladapo a bit deeper. But it sort of completely negated um, his game and... The game just petered out, you know, as it, as it tends to do when we're chasing these games and in the injury time board goes up, we don't have a shot. You know, you, it's always the saying when you watch on telly, they say, well, there's going to be at least one more chance in this game. Alex nah. Ferguson says there's always a chance. No, nah, there wasn't yesterday. Our chance mm. is like a corner, if that makes sense. It's it's like the, the chance before the chance, if that makes sense. Like you, we get into a position where we might make a chance, but don't seem to have that have that last big chance, do we? And Joe, is that where the... Because um, I think sometimes people are unfairly mocked for mentioning, quote, plan B. But is that almost where um, you do need to go into Joe Royal, Paul Warden, play forward, run forward, make a chance, make the defenders defend if you're... I don't, I don't think it's that because I, th- I think we, if you think what well, we we did go longer yesterday, we did put two strikers on the pitch. We did have like when you see the team at the end of the game and it's Burns on the right wing, Hurst, Ladapo, Edwards on the left wing, Cameron Humphreys sitting almost as a ten behind them, and it's like you've got five attackers on there, and we, it's not like we weren't. Um, it's not like we weren't trying to get forward. We just weren't really having much luck and. We, the, nothing, I don't know. We we don't really seem to get the bounces of the ball. We seem to then allow them to sort of release the pressure valve by giving away a silly free kick, or someone will do a pass where or a, a bad cross, so it goes off the goal behind, so the keeper can trot after the ball and get it. We don't. I don't know when when we've been at our best is when you've got the sort of centre backs diving forward, intercepting the ball as soon as it comes loose, and you're just keep that pressure, pressure, pressure. But we don't, we, I don't know, we didn't really have that yesterday. We, I don't know, we tried to maybe do something different to what we normally do and it was not a success, really. To but my Craig, eyes, we our, just didn't... Sorry, sorry Ben, Craig, I was just saying... I just come in first. Um, our type of pressure is not making defenders defend. It's spending 10, 15 minutes chipping away and controlling and... With the ball in play as well. With the, yeah, quite. Sorry, you're, you're uh, going yeah. No, I was just saying about, you were saying about plan B... Um, which was having more attacking players on the pitch. Well, we just, to my eyes, we just didn't seem to know how to play with two strike, two nominally two large strikers on the pitch. We didn't seem to utilise their strengths once they were both on the pitch. Interesting. Um, let me put the numbers up, guys. We're going to obviously look at what happened at Hillsborough and what happened at Derby in a minute, and then we'll get to your questions. And I suspect. We'll be able to go right through the remainder with your questions. So don't pop them in yet if you are um, on YouTube and on the chat right now. Um, so interesting one, this one. Obviously, the um, XG numbers heavily padded by the missed penalty, but 0.95 uh, Cambridge to 0.62, which I think uh, Dan 
has said in the comments up here is our lowest of the season, 14 shots to six, but no, quote, big chances by the foot mob. Standard 73% possession, um, translating to a single point. Um, Final say on um, this one at Cambridge, Joe. Well, I think when you look at the stats there, probably if you take the penalty out of it, it's expected goals 0.6 versus 0.16 basically isn't it it's a it's a it's a nil nil isn't it there really and we managed to get a good goal they got a good goal and there wasn't really much else that happened in the game other than a missed penalty so we're lucky lucky to get away with a point really it's probably one of the first games i don't know i think a point was probably fair but there's, there's not many games where we haven't deserved to win one way or another we might have edged it or battered them but there's not been many where you sort of walk away thinking that just wasn't wasn't good enough really, and that first half certainly fell into that category. It was a it was a poorer performance as we put in this season. The first half and the second half was good for ten fifteen minutes, and then after that was just uh, they they saw the game out relatively comfortably. But then if you get a goal, it changes all that, doesn't it? If you, if if all of a sudden that Hurst ball in and Broadhead bundles at home, and we might go on and score a third goal from there, and all of a sudden you walk away thinking, oh crap, first half we really turned it around at half time and. Goals change games, they change outcomes, they change the mood and the the way you look back at the game that's just happened as well. I think um, the stats really do really do give you an idea of what the game was like, basically. Sometimes they don't, sometimes yeah, you can't read too much. It doesn't into quite them. add up, does it? Yeah, I don't no, that's mean. right. But you know, seventy five percent possession, not big chances created, you know, an XG of under one from sixteen shots, whatever it was. Well, there you go, that's that's what it was. And um, you, you could have just showed that for the first half hour, Ben. <laughs> David, thank you um, as ever for your support there. If you are watching um, live right now, you, you can David. support for your super chat. This will always be free, but you can uh, support over there. Thank you, David. 10 euros on the super chat. Before we have a little look at League One, um, I have some pluggery to do very, very quickly if I find the right WhatsApp. Uh, message here. Um, ITFC women drew 1-1 at Watford earlier on goal scored by Lucy O'Brien, who we sponsored. Watford sneaked, pesky Watford sneaked an injury time uh, equaliser. And I won't put what Richard's um, put after that in the message. And I believe um, our shows this week, we're going to do um, a Wednesday night show. Um, obviously the day after the Burnley game for reaction and Thursday this week, we have had some feedback, um, about both live, live preview shows. So they will both be live. Um, this, uh, big game, if it wasn't a must win before, I don't know what it is, um, now, but we've been over this over the years of the, um, years of the podcast against Sheffield Wednesday. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there. Supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Day. Speaking of which, in League One, obviously the 
two games we're going to pick out a fairly obvious here, but I'll go through the um, I'll go through the rest of the card anyway. So Accrington nil, Lincoln three, golf for Ted Bishop in that one. Bolton That's one, fun. Cheltenham nil. I know um, Derby are moving slightly quicker than Bolton, but I believe they're tied on points, having played a couple of games more. Uh, Bristol Rovers nil, MK two, Derby five. Morecambe nil, Derby 15 unbeaten, six that's, straight and, victories. And that's McGoldrick's third hat trick of the season, isn't it? After having David never, McGoldrick, never scored having one in never scored a hat trick, um, has three hat tricks in seven home games. Um, <laughs> Exeter one, Charlton two, uh, Fleetwood two, Burton a three, Forest Corey Green Darby nil. making his debut that day for Fleetwood. Indeed, um, having just signed from Burton as well. Um, uh, Forest Green nil, uh, Peterborough two. Um, just keep an eye on sixth place and Peterborough. Um, maybe um, we'll come back to that. Oxford nil, Shrewsbury one, Port Vale nil, Wickham three, Pompey one, Barnsley one again in that sixth place. And the big one, the Giant, first again second, although they swapped places. Sheffield Wednesday one, Plymouth nil. So first of all, your reaction to the outcome. Obviously, we didn't make good on taking three points out of anybody by not winning, Craig. But your reaction on the outcome, I've now flip-flopped. I now have Sheffield Wednesday as title favourites as of um, today. Uh, They're going to get stress-tested on Saturday, I hope. But what's your take on the outcome of the Wednesday-Plymouth game? It's very brave of you, Ben, to to now predict that Sheffield Wednesday... With a game in hand and top of the league are now your promotion favourites? They are now my title favourites, not my promotion favourites. Important distinction, thank you. I haven't I haven't been on them all season. I've I've not thought it was gonna go that way, I have to say, but uh, no, well, I didn't. I I couldn't really work out myself what what our preferred result was going to be. You know, well, no, you know, you wouldn't. You went for all three of them. Thought, well, yeah, possibly, but at the end of the day, it didn't really matter too much unless we did our job, which um, we didn't. So, yeah, is what it is now, isn't it? You know, they've they've got a game in hand against us. We need, surely, we need to beat them now just to even that game in hand out, really, more than anything else. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I don't think that'll affect Plymouth untowardly um i don't know there's some chat going in about um cooper i don't know what the situation he went out is injured didn't he with his injury yeah i don't know if there's currently yet been any um update or news on that that could obviously have a more than a more of effect on them than any whitaker um loss uh, massively would do. yeah 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 um but yeah it's this it's more concern of the, of the guys that are creeping up behind us i think um, <laughs> not creeping they're bloody coming yelling waving a cricket bat craig scoring five goals every match yeah <laughs> yeah danny cowley actually was on um the football league show with me last night and apart from always saying that we're the best team in the division again um was saying that mcgoldrick shouldn't be playing in in league one i think we can probably i i, I have info from spending the afternoon mr cowley that i'll give to you off air Oh, um, how exciting! I'd, but you know, wouldn't wouldn't McGoldrick be a fan in our team? In our setup, there's one of those two number tens having McGoldrick there, twisting and turning and feeding things in, having shots from range. Oh, perfect! Joe, um, your take on the um, big head-to-head at the top and just Derby County and um, this streak now. Yeah, well, my big take and sort of a more general point is. Isn't it fantastic to see such a big crowd in League One? Plymouth, they sold out the away end at Ipswich. We had a sellout here. They sold out the away end at Sheffield Wednesday. These aren't short journeys. So, over 3,000 Plymouth fans going up to Sheffield. 33,000. Sheffield Wednesday. 30,000 yeah, there fans there. No, I think it is fantastic. You've got three clubs at the, well, Derby as well, four clubs at the top of the league that are selling out away ends every week, selling out home ends, really. And best title race, Joe, in the EFL as well. Isn't yeah, it? Bring, bringing this league home sort of thing. <laughs> and we just need to make sure we're on the right side of it. But that's, that's just more general point about the health of the league on that side of it there. But no, I think Sheffield Wednesday are looking just relentless, aren't they? They never look that good to me when I watch them, but they just seem to <laughs> results are. get over the line. And I think it was noted in there, like they've had eight 1-0 wins this season. Well, that's just... That's a bit of variance, isn't it? But you only need that variance to go your way for a few games a season and and, and you'll get promoted. And like I say, they they look, I wouldn't say unstoppable, but it's over a year now. I think something like 50 games. They're they're sort of over two points a game for the last 50 games they've played. And it's like, this isn't just luck. This is just that relentless keep going. And they, they sign players in the... 
summer, didn't they? They they went a sort of different route to us. We've signed sort of young players, maybe with higher ceilings. They've signed older players who know how to get out of this league, and Michael Smith and Michael Hickway, and it seems to be paying benefits for them. Well, in the short term, at least, and. And that they look good. Plymouth, I say, if Michael Cooper is injured, that's going to be a massive, massive blow for them because he's so important how they play because they they are the team that um, rely heavily on them. But I say Derby with Paul Warren, I think there's probably an argument that Paul Warren's probably the best manager in this division, isn't there? With regards to knowing what needs to take to get out of this division, he might not be the best manager in the championship or better than any of a Schumacher or McKenna or a more in a championship, but certainly in League One, he knows how to get teams out of this league and I say the way Derby are going at the moment is I say I, I don't think they'll I don't think they'll catch Sheffield Wednesday or Plymouth personally. I think I think one of us one of Ipswich or Derby may catch them, but I think if if we can catch them, Derby can't if that makes sense because they they've been on such a good run for twenty games. They they're gonna lose a couple at some point. They're not gonna it's not gonna be a thirty game unbeaten run, is it? They're gonna have to dip back at some point. But no, it's uh, definitely it's definitely a four horse it's a top two and then the next two at the moment, isn't it? I believe so. And I've had a good look at all the fixtures and whatnot. And I've got March the 11th kind of circled for if Plymouth are still second with, say, a three or a four point lead. I think looking at their last 10 games, and by the way, they play, I think, Peterborough, Barnsley, Derby, all before then. I think I would then say Plymouth will probably be able to hold out, obviously agree with what Craig says. If Mike Cooper's not about that, might change my mind on that, but I'm changing my mind every every second week on this. Uh, next next Saturday, if we beat Sheffield Wednesday next Saturday and Plymouth drop a point or two, we're gonna we're gonna think we're right back in it, aren't we? And Derby are gonna think they're in it if they keep winning as well, aren't they? So it'd be nice to drag them back into it, wouldn't it, those by winning next week. Sheffield Wednesday Derby's the last game of the season, I check. <laughs> I know. I just have a feeling it won't mean anything at that point. I just have this feeling for for some reason that they'll both be where they're going to be at that point. And it could be even worse that um, uh, one of them it means nothing for and one of them it means something for, which very much favours the one it means something for. But hey, there is a lot of water to go under a lot of bridges before we indeed get to them. Right, let's do some questions. Get your uh, questions in for the boys on the promotion race on the game at Cambridge on what you think is going wrong on what you take on your mood etc etc I'll scroll up I'm looking for questions that are worded like questions with question marks at the end um that's how I find them in the in the chat just a quick plug um Craig for our excellent uh telegram group which is going from strength to strength and has been thriving this week yeah crikey I think it was thriving from about 5pm yesterday afternoon all the way through the evening and continued today um, on the various chats we had. It was, it was, um, uh, but it, what it was, it was respectful all the way through. There were lots and lots of people on there with lots of differing ideas and thoughts and um, emotions, et cetera, et cetera. A lot about the the crowd itself, actually, at the game yesterday, um, which was a, an interesting place to be in certain pockets of the stand behind the goal. Um but it's, yeah, it's just it's been absolutely fantastic place to be. Um, I say the 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 comments on there are pretty much always intelligent. Um, you may not agree with them, um, I, but I, you know, I don't the, think yours are, Craig. I think they drop below the. Um, the oh standard. yeah, yeah, the threshold. Yeah, I'm just there to keep the average down. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, everyone's got an idea. Everyone's got an idea. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's respectful on there. Um, everyone takes each other's views into account. Um, but say you've got people who are at the game posting during the game. Um, you've got people watching on iFollow from uh, abroad, watching and and posting. And then everyone sort of has a, a bit of a catch up afterwards and a, and a bit of a debrief. It's it's around match days. It really really does come into its own. And an exclusive chat with Matt Holland um, in there. Um, very uh, handsome and powerful guy and Matt Holland in the, in the, <laughs> same, in the same chat there. Um, but yeah, do check it out. We were getting some grief the other day. It is behind a paywall. It does cost us money to host it. So um, you get a two week trial for free and then it's, it's pretty inexpensive, but you know, uh, hate is going to hate. Hey, Joe, um, let's get to some questions. Shall we? I wanted to scroll up for Paul's one uh, up here, Joe. Uh, how many players are nailed on in the starting eleven currently? And can I just 
um, conflate that with, I saw another one come in, oh, sorry, from Michael. Is it time to pick a first 11 and run with it? I feel those two questions work well together. So go ahead, Joe. I think you want to pick a back four, three, whatever, whatever you want to call it, and sort of central midfielders to pick with and run with at the moment, to be fair. But when, when you're looking about who would you say is actually nailed on to start a game, well, I'd say Christian Walton in goal, um, Leif Davis at left back, and Sam Moore's in midfield, those three, maybe Wes Burns on top of that, that, those four. I don't see anyone other than those four that I'd sort of bet my house on starting the next it game. Quite, it was quite strange. I was thinking after the last um, home game, I can't remember what it was, maybe the, maybe it was the cup game, but thinking about um, the, the strikers, you know, and the tens and the striker. And it was when um, Broadhead slipped the ball down the side for, for Ladapo to score. Um, I thought, well, even it must, it's unfair on those guys who aren't getting some sort of understanding and partnerships going. Things that we talk about partnerships at the back, etc. But these guys have got to know when people are running and anticipate passes and things like. That. It must be difficult for those guys to have so all of a sudden two different guys behind you or two one the guy up front's different to the guy it was last week. You know, I appreciate we've got to keep everyone fresh and we're tinkering. And the analysis tells us that we're probably better off having this person up front than that, but. I don't think it helps partnerships and let's use the word cohesive bonds, you know, all <laughs> through, but it doesn't, does it? I don't think, you know, we, I, I, think yeah, I, you, I agree with the you guys. See sort of like kind of Chaplin, Wes Burns and Janoid Dinesh when they play on that right-hand side together, they clearly have a good understanding down that side, but I don't think, like I said, we, whether it's, whether it's um, injuries or form, but we, we don't seem to be rotating that much up front, do we? It seems Ladapo tends to be starting most games. It's, Connor Chaplin seems to start every game. Wes Burns will start every game. Maybe sort of Broadhead or Harness on the other side. So there's a, there's a lot less rotation than there has been this year, but sort of than there has been previously this year. But it seems to have come at the time when we think we have fallen back a little bit here. Mm. Um, Eric, am I right thinking Derby can't sign players if they get promotion? I assume, Eric, that will be reviewed in the close season. They are under an approved business plan. They are under a hard wage cap. Uh, as well at the moment. Um, I actually spoke to a Derby fan earlier who said um, he wouldn't be bothered if they missed out because, as we've discussed before, if the embargo's lifted, we all know you can spend more money if you've got it in League One than you can in the Championship, the hard limit on the losses up there. So it's, a, it's an interesting one, but I'm sure they'd take um, promotion. Uh, I think... We've kind of covered that. Neil's asking uh, Wolfie, Humphreys and Edwards start against um, Wednesday. What we'll do, Neil, we'll jump to the Burnley game and try and figure out the guy's thoughts in a minute. Um, JG, I like that. Norwood, McGoldrick or Jerome to score the winner in the playoff final. Obviously, we could come up against um, Barnsley striker James Norwood, Derby striker uh, Dave McGoldrick or Bolton striker Cameron Jerome there. Against so. Plymouth, that'll be, because we'll already be up. Stop it. Um, Dan, uh, Joe, Morsi's two-game suspension seems inevitable. Who do we want coming in for him when it happens? Well, I think I, uh, we've only seen a very, very brief snippet of him, but Massimo Luongo, when he came on against uh, Burnley last week, did seem to give some sort of that little <laughs> drive, that bite in midfield that we maybe are lacking at times when Morsi hasn't been in the team. So I'd, I'd probably say Luongo would be the obvious fit to come in for him. Um, and he's, he's one that you might even want to bring in for the game next weekend hmm. uh, Craig uh, will John Jill's feature again this season I think there were some pictures shared on his Instagram of him stepping up the rehab a little bit with a pair of boots on I believe um, on the yeah. grass and, yes, end of Feb he should be back apparently on the extra turf oh well that's only three weeks away isn't it um, yeah I, I, 100% really I liked him as a player um, I think he fits the the system that we play so I've got no issue at all with him coming it just adds another body into the mix doesn't it to try and fit into that uh, number 10 but he can also play up front Carney as well so he's a little bit more um, if you want a bit more mobility up there as well he can do that so I think he'll definitely come back in and you know from what we understand is that the club are trying to make his signing permanent I believe if they can as well so there's no reason to suggest why not um, David, I'll take this one. Do you think we could drop out of the playoff picture altogether? That would be a hard um, no for me, famous last words. But the way this league is, what we're doing at the moment is not good enough to keep up with teams that are battering out over two points per game for 20-game periods. I think it's an 11-point uh, lead with 
17 to play, is it? And uh, essentially, we have to do relegation form probably um, if we were to tack on another eight or nine games of bad run, you're looking at sort of relegation form for 20 games under a point per game. And I, I don't see that happening. And um, we're in disaster um, uh, disaster uh, settings if that does. Uh, we, don't tend to loo- we don't tend to lose games. Do you know what I mean? We're not losing enough Ten games. Ten draws to- now. Yeah. Craig, yeah. Yeah. Um, Joe, uh, Jim, who I know is a Wednesday fan, actually. Uh, will the Ipswich owners give McKenna another season if you don't go up like Chancery did with more? I'd be amazed if we didn't. You want to elucidate on that a bit, Joe? Well, just Mark, Mark Ashton, we know from his previous with Lee Johnson at Bristol City, he gave him a hell of a long time there. I think everything, like I say, yeah, results aren't quite going our way over the last couple of months, but everything McKenna's done at this football club has been positive, stepping us in the right direction. Ultimately, we did finish 11th last year, and if we go from 11th to 3rd or 4th, that is a big improvement. And if we do finish, I say we're still on track for 87 points this season. We're not We're not looking at the playoffs thinking, oh, if we can go on a decent run, we'll probably make the playoffs. We are like you said previously, we're basically nailed on for top six as a minimum already. And it's just what we can do to go from here. Yeah. If the season falls off a total cliff from here, then yeah, maybe things might change, but I, I don't see that happening. And I've, I don't see past McKenna being the right man for this football club. I think he's done a hell of a lot for us on and off the pitch already. And I'd say we, we want to see this journey continue. And we were talking about signing players with high ceilings, weren't we? We've well, got, a, you've got a manager with a, a high ceiling as well, aren't you? Haven't you at the moment? So, I can't imagine there's any thought of that, to be honest. Uh, Craig, um, I, I'm sorry, I was just going to add there. People keep talking to me and saying, oh, don't worry, Ben, you'll be all right. You'll go up for the playoffs. They don't understand Ipswich and the, and the playoffs, do they? Um, Michael, is JD going to see off the new fullback? He's had more more comebacks than, um, <laughs> I don't know, insert musical artists there. Um, that's, a, that's a no for me, uh, Craig, but what are you saying? Yeah, I think so as well. Well, you know, again, it may well be horses for courses if... I did think actually last week that you might see Donatian against Sheffield Wednesday just for by virtue of needing a more defensively minded, solid defender there. Um, but you don't splash out a million quid on a fullback not to uh, not to play him in Division Three, do you? Um, Joe, last one here. Unless any more questions come in, get them in now. We're going to go into the Burnley and then Sheffield Wednesday ideas. Obviously, we don't want to steal the thunder of the Premier Show coming up. Um, do you think Hurst will do? Anything of note? Where are you with Hurst now, Joe? Because um, you've been sort of saying that it had been a long-term plan to get him. And now they've got him, it feels like, I don't know, he must be seeing something that's telling him he's not quite ready yet. Well, he hasn't played a lot, has he? That's the problem. And Freddie Ladapo is banging forward, isn't he? So he's going to get his chances. He'll get another chance on Tuesday night against Burnley in the Cup, won't he? We'll be, I'll be amazed if he doesn't start that one. And I thought he did really well against Burnley at home in the in the FA Cup. I thought he's really put himself about well, made some great runs, sort of gave the defenders a lot to worry about and maybe gives us that, that slightly different option to Ladapo, somebody who wants to play on the shoulder as opposed to dropping in dropping in short and trying to link up play that way. So I think he'll offer us something. He hasn't, when he's come on as sub, he's sort of had half chances when he's got on, but not really got himself involved enough in the game. Um, Joe, I've got to put you over here, actually. Um, Neil's asking, could you see many players leaving if we're going to up? Um, someone could probably clip out me and Joe disagreeing on Wolf. Or was that in the Telegram? And I was saying, oh, Swansea could get Wolfenden done. And Joe was going, nah, they, they can't do that. Having seen Russ Martin's press conference on Thursday, Joe was very, very much right about that. And I was wrong. Um, I don't think Swansea can get um, anything done. Anybody, anybody done. They can't get Leon Best done at the moment, bless him. Uh, Craig, could you see many players leaving if we don't go up? Um, my experience, Craig, of Mark Ashton from Bristol City is that that would be a yes, that the churn would then begin and we would see a couple of the better players go and some new players coming in, would, would be my take based on what I've seen prior. Obviously, he's got different FFP rules here, but yeah. what was your take? Well, I don't know. I think um, you may, you'll may you probably see a refresh in centre midfield. I can't I can't imagine we're going Morsey and, Morsey and Evans into another year. Um, I think we're still sort of trying to shoehorn Morsey into a role that he's not particularly comfortable with. Um There'll be, what, 31 coming on 30 for Evans, I suppose, when they're another year older. Um, it, probably just another chance for McKenna to to put his stamp and get 
get his his players in. Um, the thing is, in terms of people leaving, the ones you'd probably concern yourself about leaving would be Davis, maybe Chaplin, potentially. But you know, these guys are getting paid well, aren't they? For for championship, really, and, and and apart from the very top of the championship, they're getting paid championship wages. So from that respect, um, you wouldn't see anyone anyone leaving um, unless it'll be it'll be your Davises and your Wolfenden's the. The, the young up-and-coming, you know, jewel in the crown players that um, I think we could go. Um, I think we'll be looking to sign people like John Jules and that that type of player. And it's saying it may just be a natural churn rather than, you know, losing our best players, potentially. Yeah, fair point. Um, Joe, Rob, who's going to break their duck first, Hurst or Broadhead? It's Broadhead Broadhead's isn't it? come a lot closer so far, hasn't he? And he, he looks like he's got more goals in him and he looks like he's going to get more minutes in the team as well at the moment. So I'd say him. Um, Craig, Rich, have we mentioned the under 18s? Don't answer that literally. Uh, no, we haven't. Yeah. So, mention no, them. no, we haven't. Next question. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? I really enjoyed that game. Well, certainly the first half, it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic match. Um, like a game of basketball at some points. We had Liverpool on the rack, um, for the vast majority of that first half. Jeffrey um, Rack Sacky. Really impressive um, performance. Obviously, I, 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 we were invited. I couldn't you know, mix with the with the um, hoi polloi. Yeah, well, no, the hoi polloi are the ones that weren't in the director's box, Joe. Unlike Dave and uh, Rich. Did, did anyone go to both were. editors and the director's box for the under 18s Rich. 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 Oh, he's. I think he's in the chat. We'll, we'll let him have a riposte to that. Yeah, nah, don't. <laughs> he gets all the good good stuff, doesn't he, Rich? He does all the bloody does very so does very little <laughs> does very little and takes all the glory. We Tremendous don't mean it, bitch. I don't. Mean um, it. Right, let's talk. But West West Ham in the quarterfinals at home for the Youth Cup as well. So into into the final late as well. So but there's no date yet, really, really, isn't it? No, no date yet, but it will be in the next whatever two or three weeks. Yeah, Joe, what's your team for Burnley? Um, Hladke in goal. I think agreed. I think need to mix up again. Um, Danashian right back because Clark is. Cup tied. I'd get Wolfenden and Edmondson given those to a game with each other. Centre backs, um, Greg Lee left back because Leif Davis isn't the most, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. He's durable. Davis did, durable, did yeah, really he's well, durable. didn't he? He did really well in the last match he played. Yeah, and then midfield two, I'd go Cam Humphreys and Massimo Luongo, give them some minutes in there, and then probably Sonny Aluko ahead of them. Kyle Edwards with a start. Caden Jackson on the right wing and George Hurst up front. I think it'd probably be something along those lines. So it's almost a 10-11 changes sort of game. But still similar to what there was in the two. home game, was it was eight, eight, nine, eight changes, wasn't it for the for the home game? But you just got to get yeah. minutes into these guys. You know, it's it's now no longer uh, the home game has been and gone. That was the one to win, wasn't it? I think now we're just a case of ticking it off and fulfilling the fixture. Really, one of, one of the only things I would say oh, is. Rick. Rich says he paid for his editor's ticket. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's tremendous. So um, go ahead, Joe. I, I wouldn't take the players who aren't the first. I know you, I know you've got to name nine subs, but I wouldn't take too many of the first team players that you want to get a rest no. into. Don't you don't need them to travel up to Burnley probably on Monday to stay over. So you're probably going to go up there today when the podcast comes out tomorrow for those watching on YouTube going up there tomorrow to stay up there all day to have it Tuesday to travel back Tuesday night to not be able to train on Wednesday to then basically have Thursday one training session really to go into the Sheffield Wednesday game so I'd be take I'd be leaving the key senior players back here and I'd be um, leaving maybe even like some like Martin Pert back here to keep training going throughout the week just because sometimes you've just got to play what's in front of you really now, before we finish up, and obviously we'll do the full live show, um, we'll be reflecting on the Burnley game on Wednesday, we'll do a Q&A, and then we'll talk about this, another head-to-head against Sheffield Wednesday, Craig, on Thursday. Would you blame anyone looking from the outside at Ipswich playing Sheffield Wednesday for saying, Sheffield Wednesday, kill now, they, they'll be looking to come and, and win given the respective confidence of the two teams. Yeah, very possibly. They'll, but they'll just carry on, as you were saying earlier, they'll just carry on doing what they're doing and look to grind out a 1-0. It'll be another sellout. They, they're always the noisiest fans that come to Port Rose. It'll be a hell of, a, hell of an atmosphere. As far as I'm aware, it's a, it's a sellout already. So, yeah, let's just get, um, as I said, 
will fulfill the fixture against Burnley and um, start gearing up. I haven't got I haven't got any training this week to bore me to death <laughs> to look for the horizon that is Sheffield Wednesday. So I'm just looking at my calendar, thinking, "Come on, then, let's go." Joe, Sheffield Wednesday. What's your say? Yeah, well, I think by having won last week, I think they're going to come up here and they'll probably take a point as things stand. I think it's going to be one of those ones that they'll probably go for the game early on and then if it gets about an hour and it's still level, they'll probably just batten up the hatches, step off and just try and take the point and go home because a point's a fantastic result for them down here and it a point makes them much more likely to get promoted in the top two than defeat than the defeat does, doesn't it? Because it's taking two well, points Well, it's, it's taking well. the three points off, off us, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But so for us, it's important because that, that just none of that game in hand just doesn't become a thing, then does it? You know, if we've gained that three points, to it'll put us back where we are at the moment, if you know. What I mean. Yeah, well, there we go. Um, let's just finish up quickly. You're it's a difficult one because, um, in terms of the mood at the moment, I totally understand people being a bit downbeat. You can play the whole long game, oh, we're, we're better than we were, blah blah blah, but in isolation this season, knowing what we know about the spend and about where we were and the rivals, um, it is fair enough, I think, that people are a little bit, oh, really? You know, I thought uh, I, I thought we'd be a little further on, um, you know, in terms of the points particularly than than we are now. Where are you in terms of mood, Joe? Um, just probably about as low as I've been this season with it, probably yeah, about I as downbeat as I have been this season and I think we, we looked at what was left this year and you're looking at the point hall, you think you're going to need to get into that top two and you're looking in that sort of 92, 93 range and that lead needed us needing to win sort of 14 of the last 20 or whatever it was and sort of two of those or three of those games are passed and we've won one of them and they're all games that we probably should have won. Oxford, well, not, not should have won how the games played out, but looked on paper that the games that we needed to win, maybe rather than that we should have won, is probably a better way to put it. And I say, you can't you can't drop points at teams like Cambridge if you want to get into the top if you want to get into the top two from the position we're currently in. For me, Joe, it, means, uh, it means we're going to have to sorry, beat Craig. a Bolton or a Barnsley away as opposed to getting a point there. Craig, yeah, I just I'm just concerned about our away form, which has fallen off a cliff. We need to get that back in order pretty quickly because it's not far on the horizon when we've got Bolton, Barnsley and Derby in the space of three weeks, all away, all away well, from home. So, And Craig, you've got to go to a side between third and sixth. Um, hopefully, the away game will be first, because that would mean we're third or fourth in a, a lovely post-season two-legger. But you've got to go away to one of those guys in a playoff game, potentially, as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, two, all three have got their tails up at the moment. Um, so, yeah, we, we just I'm just a bit concerned about our away form at the moment. That's what we've got two games with Bristol week, 10 days time. Um, and Milton Keynes, obviously after that. So we've got opportunity to do it, but that was what we, you know, we weren't, that wasn't ever a, a problem at the beginning of the season. That was our bread and butter, three points and, and performances to go with it. There we go. Right guys. Thank you for spending the hour with us here on Sunday night. Hopefully um, some positivity will come out of this week, but I think we'll know that the only way for us to be really, really buzzing this time next week would be via a victory over the new League One league leaders, Sheffield Wednesday. Last word from you, Joe. Um, it's, it's getting better. It's got to get better. <laughs> <laughs> got to believe it's getting better. Last word from you, Craig. Um, I've got nothing pithy to say, really. I'm, I'm still I'm still a bit down after yesterday. But as you say, Crikey, can you imagine? Let's just imagine... We win next weekend. What's it going to be like then? I don't like imagining nice things. It never ends up well. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us live in the chat. If you've joined us um, after the fact um, on Acast or iTunes listening, thank you very much. If you're here right now on YouTube or watching after the fact, please do hit the thumbs up button. really helps us out. And if you haven't already subscribed, have a think about joining us over on Telegram and um, follow us on our socials, Twitter, um, Facebook and Instagram, a better week ahead. Let's talk of stumbling, hobbling, slipping, sliding. Slip, slide in a way. It's been the Blue Monday Podcast.
TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.